The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTUV, WXYZ people, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty Radio Show here on Red State Talk Radio. I'm your host, Tim Brown. I'm not coming to you live uh, today. I'm, this is We're pre-recording this on Friday, uh, but I am coming to you still from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina. I'm the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us here. And if you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Scroll down right there on the right. That's right. You can see the face that's made for radio. And uh, just enlarge that. You can also catch that live video feed on my Twitter account at FPPTim. My Periscope account at Setting Brush Fires. Our Facebook page at Bradley Dean SOL. Our YouTube channel is B. Dean Sons of Liberty. We're also on BeforeIt'sNews.com right there on the front page, as well as DLive.tv. You've got some friends over there at The Sons of Liberty. And finally, you can catch us on Spreely Gab, MeWe, Minds, and USA.life at Sons of Liberty or Sons of Liberty Media. And by the way, we won't be needing the phone numbers for you guys who are watching that uh, since this is pre-recorded. So today we've got a special guest with us, and I was telling her before we started the pre-record here that normally the sons of liberty aren't covering items such as she's going to bring because most people think don't think of of medicine healing um and things of that nature or sickness in terms of freedom and liberty and yet they are intricately tied to those things in fact when we go to the new testament we'll see that jesus went around uh, healing all those who were oppressed of the devil you know he speaks of those kinds of things Plus, I believe that the Creator has put within the creation itself things that do heal us, and I'm I'm sure we're going to get into some of that in just a minute. But my guest this morning is Dee Manny Mitchell. Uh, she's an author. She developed triple negative breast cancer in March of 2017. Uh, she refused the toxic conventional medicine of chemotherapy and radiation and instead opted to heal her body naturally using a combination of nutrition, supplements, essential oils, cannabis oil, and a positive mental attitude. After five months... Uh, she was declared cancer-free. That's pretty amazing. With no evidence of disease, to this day she is still cancer-free. She spends her spare time supporting and mentoring other cancer sufferers and their loved ones. And she is a, a friend of our own Kate Shimarani. And Kate put us together uh, to bring um, Dee on today. And we appreciate you very much, Dee, joining us here on the Sons of Liberty. Welcome. Hi, Tim. Thank you so much for having me. 
Yeah, well, we've been trying to get this together for some months, and I kind of dropped the ball after you had something that came up too, and we're happy. Yeah, to- because they, well, it wasn't even your fault, Tim. Because I moved, I moved country. I didn't even just move a draft. I moved country, so that was a bit of a a massive time away from my regular business. So where I was normally had loads of spare time in the evening, I suddenly had no time because I was moving to a different country, having to set everything up. So. Yeah, I apologize for not keeping that last appointment that we had. Well, that's okay. That's okay. Things happen. Uh, and <laughs> boy, if yeah, people don't happens. know that, yeah, if, if things yeah. things happen here and uh, people see it, and I just say I'm a little bit of comic relief if something technical goes off. Uh, but we're happy to have you here today with us. And a part of the thing that, uh, you know, the reason Kate mentioned for you to come on. She said you had this incredible story, and here I'm reading into your bio, which is on Amazon, by the way, and, and you're an author there. Uh, you've got a few books out, uh, but specifically your your latest is My Way, and you're, you're telling people about your story and what happened to you there. And so that's why we wanted to bring you on. We wanted to bring you on so that you could tell people, here's what I had, and this is what I was told to do, and instead I opted for something different because Kate has given her, us her story, and hers is a lot different from yours. She followed the advice of the medical doctors, and just days later, she found out through nutrition and other things that she could keep from going through the chemotherapy, although she'd had some pretty radical surgery that was done. So why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself and um, and, and your story here? Yeah, of course. So back in, so I was diagnosed in, in 2017 in March, and about four years before that, my sister had, well, actually Five years before that, my sister had developed liver cancer. And I actually at that point didn't know anything about cancer. All I knew was that you had cancer and you died because that's what society portrays in you is that you get cancer, you get treatment and you die. So my sister had uh, liver cancer back in about 2015. And the doctors straight away, as soon as she was diagnosed, the doctor said she's only got two years left to live which was a massive shock anyway, because when you associate people with having liver cancer, you think that they're heavy drinkers, alcoholics. She never drank at all. So that that one thing alone, it interested me because I was thinking, well, how, how can somebody that never ever drinks alcohol suddenly has liver cancer? Because liver cancer obviously is toxicity of the liver. Um, so I just kind of let that drop. And then she followed every single advice that the doctors had given her, which was chemotherapy and radiotherapy. Now, they already told her from day one that she only had two years left to live. Why they gave the chemotherapy, I don't know, because they they actually also told her that it's not going to prolong your life. But I guess it's kind of... When you're hit with a diagnosis, such as cancer, you do everything that the doctors tell you, exactly the same as what Kate did. So anyway, my sister did that. She did chemotherapy for practically two years straight. I think usually when you have chemotherapy, you have two weeks on, two weeks off, two weeks on, or six weeks on, six weeks off. She had her chemotherapy straight. I think she only had about two weeks off in the whole of the two years. And then... um, At the end of the two years, when the doctors did say that she'd only had two years, she did pass away. And one of the the last times that I met her was when I went to see her in hospital and she was 
practically on her deathbed, for a better word, and um, we're having this conversation, and we everybody knew that her, her time was limited. It was it was a it was a case of hours, not weeks or months. And I'm having this conversation with her, and she she practically just at that point just said, "I've had enough. You know, I've done all this. I want to go. Let you know, God take me, whatever." And she she says to me, she pulled my arm before I went. She pulled my arm, and it, it's as as though she knew. But she pulled my arm and she said, D, it's not the cancer that's killing me. So I'm thinking, okay, this, this was just so confusing to me. So I said, what do you mean it's not the cancer that's killing you? And she said, it's not the cancer that's killing me. It's the treatment. It's the chemotherapy. It's the radiotherapy. The cancer is not killing me. It's the chemo. So at that point, I kind of just thought, wow, okay. Um, I was a bit perplexed by it all and I and I did say to her but if you believe that the chemotherapy is killing you why are you still having it because she was having it every week week on week off why why are you still having the chemotherapy and she basically just says to me it's because that's what we do when we don't know what to do we listen to the doctors we listen to the powers that be and my doctor told me I have to have chemotherapy so I went along and had it because I didn't know what the alternative was. So um, that was that back in 2015. And I left the hospital room that night. And within, I think it was within two days, she did pass away. That always stuck in the back of my head. And it was always a chord. It was always there thinking, okay, this this just does, does not resonate with me. If you are sick and you're having treatment, the treatment should be making you better. It shouldn't be making you worse. So then fast forward till 2017, two years later, and then I developed cancer. I developed breast cancer, but it wasn't just a regular type of breast cancer. It was the most aggressive form that you could possibly have, which is known as triple negative. There's no um, hormonal treatment because usually they give hormonal blockers when you have breast cancer. The, the only form of treatment was um, toxicity and, and huge, huge amounts of chemotherapy and radiotherapy so um when the doctors told me this immediately in the back of my head i was thinking of my sister so about before i had that appointment with the doctor with the oncologist it was literally about three weeks before that and just out of nowhere i woke up in the you know the next morning as normal and i found a lump in my breast and that lump in my breast was not there the day before it, it was just as though it appeared overnight which was a bit of a shock because it wasn't there when i went to bed and i woke up and there's, there's this just lump and it was a big enough lump that you could see it you could see it through my clothing um so that was shocking and then you know obviously i'm i'm seeing a lump and you're googling and you're you're doing everything that because you just don't know what's going on Everybody had told me that maybe it's not cancer, maybe it's just a cyst or a fibroid, you know, don't get too negative, just just believe, you know, just, just go through the protocol. So um, I left it a couple of days, I went to see my doctor, straight away when the doctor examined me, she looked at me as if to say, oh no, this is bad. You, you kind of just know the look that the doctors give you. Um, and then fast forward, I went through the, the doctors, then I had to have a mammogram, I had to have the um, scans, the routine scans that you have, I had to have um, 
a oh my god, has an MRI. Um, now, CT eye scan. Let, let me ask you this: Did they do like a biopsy to determine that yeah. it was malignant? So, Is that what they did before, they, or they did all this other stuff first? They did that originally. It was the it was a mammogram, and then they said, "Right, okay, we don't know. It's inconclusive as mammograms are. Right. Then go away and have an ultrasound." So then I had the ultrasound, and the ultrasound again was it's inconclusive. We don't know what it is, um, <clears throat> but it was kind of like every every doctor and every nurse that saw me gave me a look, and it was kind of and I call it now the look of no because they know they see so many tumors, they see so many patients that they know when somebody's got cancer. So after the mammogram, the ultrasound, and the CTI, then I was put through to. Um, a biopsy and I would never now knowing what I know I would never recommend anybody has a biopsy because all biopsies do is they dis disrupt the pathways in your immune system and your, and your white blood cells and etc so I did go for a biopsy and then I'm waiting for the treatment and not the treatment I'm waiting for the tests which was another few days away and then I think within the space of a whole two weeks, I discovered then that, yes, I had um, triple, negative, triple negative breast cancer. Now, can, let me ask you something here, because there's a lot of people, I mean, cancer has become sort of the norm. It shouldn't be, but it has become sort of the norm in life. How do you, I mean, you're not that, you're, you're, you're still a young woman, uh, and this has been a while, so how do you as a young woman... Uh, here, take that news. What is the response that you have to hearing that news that you have this very serious cancer? Um, what is your response to that? How do you how do you respond to that? Well, in my head, psychologically, in the back of my head, I was always thinking I'm going to die. Because when we are born, we are programmed to believe that you get cancer, you die. Because my earliest... Um, my earliest time with cancer was when my aunt, I think I must have been about six, seven years old. And the only thing I remember is, you know, the family discussing in the background that your aunt has just died. And when you're six, seven years old, you don't ask why or whatever. You just know that, you know, your auntie, whoever's just died. So that was my first um, experience with cancer. And then when my sister got cancer, I was thinking to myself, okay, so we already know that you're going to die. Because once you get cancer, you die. And that, that's just how life goes. Now, especially with now with the, you know, the statistics that one in two people will die from cancer. So when I was diagnosed that, immediately it was fear. It was, what the fuck is, sorry, what the hell is going on? I've just been diagnosed with this detrimental diagnosis that nobody ever wants to hear because in the back of your mind you're always thinking oh it's just a cyst or it's just a fibroid it's nothing serious but when they when they're sitting with you in front of you telling you face on that like, you have cancer and it wasn't only you have cancer but you have the most aggressive type of rare breast cancer ever um so that was very very surreal and i was kind of on autopilot I wasn't listening to what the oncologist was saying. I was in that the first uh, meeting with the oncologist. I think I was in the room for about two hours. I only remember about five minutes of the conversation because I was in shock. I had no idea what was going on. In the back of my mind, the only thing I'm thinking of is that I have kids. 
and our small children that what the hell is going to happen to them when I go? So for the whole of that diagnosis appointment, which I wasn't even listening to the oncologist, he was just a blur. It was kind of like all, all I was seeing was visions of my children being there without me. And it, it, was, it was a horrible, horrible time. It was, it, was, it was a shocking moment in my life that I would never wish on anybody, to tell you the truth. Yeah, I, I imagine that uh, the mind wants to shut out the, the bad. It's almost like a trauma experience. That's what I'm imagining uh, when you get news like that and you have to respond to it. Um, you know, I'm thinking of certain things as we go down this road. You know, God told the people of Israel, he said um, in Exodus 15, 26, he said, and he said, if you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments, keep all his statutes, I'll put none of the diseases on you, which I put on the Egyptians, for I'm, I, the Lord your God, am your healer. And so, you know, we, in a lot of ways, we're, we're in the world here. And we have different things, things that we consume, things that we eat, things that we drink, the air we breathe. I mean, my goodness, it's all around us. And the only thing that keeps anybody else healthy uh, is, is really the grace of God working in us. But now you've got this situation where this has happened to you. Um, you're faced with this thing as a mom. You've got small children. You know, I'm sure the concern is what are they going to do, you know, if I'm gone? So how do you overcome this mindset where you're saying, I'm going to die, and yet you've already watched your this situation with your sister, right? And she's already been through this stuff, and she's telling you it's the stuff they're going to do to you that's really going to kill you. How do you change the mindset, and then what led you to the path that you got on that within five months you're cancer-free? So when I had that first diagnosis, instantly, like you said, that the thought of my sister passing and the toxic treatment, and it was always in the back of my mind because the last conversation I had with her was, it's the chemo that's killing me. So when I'm sat there, and, and do you know, when I found the lump, because I found this tumor, and instantly, straight away, I knew it was cancer. Don't ask me how I know. And I've, I've spoken to a lot of people since that have been diagnosed. And it's, it's kind of, look, it's, it's intuition, and you just know, you know that it's not a cyst, it's not just a fibroid, it is something really serious. So once I did get clarification of the diagnosis, in the back of my head, it was always, I am not doing chemo. Because this is what I, when, when my sister told me about, don't ever do chemo, it's the chemo that's killing me. In the back of my head, I did actually go away and I thought to myself, wow, if I ever I'm unlucky enough to get cancer. I'm never doing chemo because what, what's the point? You know, why, why would I put my body and why would I subject my body for so much toxicity, radiation? Why would I do that to myself? So that was always in the back of my head. But always, again, you, you, although it's in the forefront of your mind or in the back of your mind, you're always thinking, I'm never going to get cancer. You know, the person down the road gets cancer or the next person gets cancer. It's never going to be me. I always thought I was relatively healthy as well, which was also a massive shock. So when I was officially diagnosed and when the, the oncologist is telling me also that um, the prognosis is good only if you do chemotherapy, and I'm thinking to myself, well, hang on a minute, why would I want to do chemotherapy? Because if it failed to keep my sister alive, why, why is it going to suddenly work with me, you know? Um, I also, as well, previously 
for me before I got, got diagnosed, I was training to be a pharmacist. So when I left school and I went to college, I was doing a pharmacy um, course and I was working in a pharmacy, doing, I think I was doing three days on, three days off, where you're doing training and practical. And I did that for about five years. And I realized, I think I realized really, really um, early on that, hang on a minute, this pharmaceutical industry is not what it's saying because we would get um, sales reps come into the pharmacy to talk to the pharmacist and also to talk to the doctor that was incidentally just next door. So whatever they would relay to the doctor, they would always come back to the to the pharmacist and relay back to the pharmacist as well. So basically what the, the salespeople were doing were, um, enticing, for the better word, enticing the pharmacist to dispense those drugs and also enticing the doctor to prescribe those drugs in the first place because the pharmacist could only dispense what the, the doctor that the, yeah, that the doctor prescribed. So, again, that was a massive flaw for me. And I thought to myself, hang on a minute, you're not prescribing people medication what they need you're prescribing people the medication that you're going to earn more commission on and that's what the medical industry is all about and the pharmaceutical industry see one thing you need to and everybody needs to remember is the medical industry they do not study health what they study is medicine so your gp your general practitioners your general doctors they don't they're not studying how to make you better they're studying how to mask up those symptoms that you're having with a drug. And then when that drug doesn't work, yep. we will give you another drug. Yep. Kate has said there are basically pimps for big pharma. And we had uh, Dr. Andrew Kaufman on to talk about COVID. And I think I can I can meld this into what we're hearing with COVID too. But one of the things I asked him, I said, well, Dr. Kaufman, you know, we – really speak out about public indoctrination centers we call public schools because they go in and they teach kids, hey, memorize this time date, this line, this thing, this thing, and regurgitate it on a test. And half the time the kids can do that sometimes, and sometimes they can't. And then when they leave, they have no idea of what it's useful for. And I think the same thing <clears throat> excuse me, is true with what you're saying about doctors because Dr. Kaufman said, look, you're in school they give you this stuff. There's no time for debate. There's no time for questions. you got to learn the stuff, regurgitate it for a test, and then psh, you're out there to be a doctor and start a practice. And he says, until you start doing that, you don't realize that all that stuff you learned, it's not that some of it isn't good, but he says, you don't learn that a lot of the stuff that you've been taught to do for people to help them be healthy is actually helping them to remain sick or get sicker and charge them along the way for it. So I'm glad that you brought that point up. And also, every single pharmaceutical drug, and this is just not any, uh, this is not uh, relating to cancer drugs. This is just any single drug. Any single pharmaceutical drug that you get a prescription for and you have to go to your, your pharmacy or your chemist or your dispensary and, and get that drug, it will be toxicity. And it will more than likely, I would say something like, percentages are high, I would say 95% of every drug on the market is a carcinogen. So that means a carcinogen is obviously something that, um, you know, um, instills cancer. It's something that causes cancer. It's a cancer causer. So 
every single drug that is being prescribed and dealt out, for a better word, for patients, has the opportunity or has the potential to cause cancer. And, and, you know, and that's massive because people will just regularly go in if they've got depression or anxiety or stomach ulcers, for instance, and the medication that they're providing for them, yes, okay, it will handle the depression and the stomach ulcers. It will handle everything that they've gone in for, but there's also a side effect. And the side effects for that is cancer. And because cancer basically is an overload of toxicity and you get toxicity from pharmaceutical drugs. And the pharmaceutical industry knows exactly what they're doing by prescribing these drugs to people. So would you say that a lot of this stuff that we get, you know, almost annually where people come out and they have the the fundraisers and stuff, oh, we're going to fight breast cancer, come do the walk on. They know really what the answer is. It's not something that's that's going to make them any money, though. But they keep doing it, and we and with the technology we have, you would think they would have the answer already. But but the answer doesn't cost them anything. If, if you don't mind, and and I'm going to read this even before you tell us what it is you've got, and I want to see does it match up with what you found in the book of Genesis when God creates all things. Here's what He said in verse. 27, he says, So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed, which is upon the face of the earth, and every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed, to you it shall be for meat, and to every beast of the earth, and every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And so, here's the question I have for you, D. What did you find was the healing power, if you will, to work in your life? Did it have anything to do with what God said should be used yeah, for life? absolutely, absolutely, 100%. I healed myself with herbs. I healed myself with 100% herbs and nutrition. Everything that came from the ground is what I healed myself with. So I healed myself with diet, which was basically vegetables and fruits, again, which comes from the ground, which is what um, you've just you've just mentioned there. I healed myself with essential oils, which obviously uh, you know what essential oils from they're pro- produced from the flowers and the the herbs from the ground. But most importantly, what my um, what my healer was was cannabis, and it was cannabis oil that I, that I had produced, and that's how I was healed by cannabis oil, essential oils, diet, and nutrition. Everything that healed me was from the ground. Now, tell, tell us a little bit about that, because here's the thing. The one thing we, we have in America, and I'm sure you've had it in the countries that you've been in, this war on drugs. And it's not a, a war against pharmaceutical drugs. So that they want to control those. They want to make lots of money off of them. But on things that are natural, like marijuana or cannabis uh, of any kind, of any strain. And you're saying, and I've read and I've even reported on many stories where people who were even older, there was a gentleman I did, he was like, I think in his late 70s, he contracted pancreatic cancer. He was in late stages of that. He took cannabis oil with coconut oil and changed his diet, and he had a marvelous recovery. I mean, it was just incredible, some of the stories that come out. What makes 
<clears throat> what did you discover about cannabis oil that that has this kind of healing properties in it? What's what's so amazing about that? Because most people, all they think of, hey, dude, I just want to get high for the day. And, yeah, high. You know, yeah, and, it's getting high. Yeah. What 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 did you find out about that? So when I when I I was absolutely one hundred percent determined that I wasn't going to go down the chemotherapy route. No, not not at all. Because it failed to keep my sister alive. And the more and more I researched, so. I think I did what everybody did. As soon as you get a diagnosis, you Google your diagnosis. So my diagnosis was triple negative breast cancer. So I spent probably about one whole week wasting my time just researching triple negative breast cancer. Everything I found online was negative because Online, if you listen, every single person, they will have chemotherapy, radiotherapy, and then six months later, they will die. Or a year later, they will get recurrence of another cancer. And then before you know, they've got cancer in the brain, they've got cancer in the lungs, the liver, and whatever. And they have metastasis, and they will die. So I was thinking to myself, why are all these people dying? You know, they're obviously dying. Now I know because, well, we all know it's because of the treatment. So I needed something that was going to heal me. And with my extensive research, and I researched a lot, a hell of a lot. The only one article I came across was one lady and she healed herself from triple negative breast cancer with nothing else but um, herbs and vegetables. And she went on to write this whole article of how she healed with juices and herbs and nothing other than positive mental attitude. So I thought to myself, well, hang on a minute. If this, and she was a little old lady as well. She, she was about 75 years old. She was very, very tiny, very small frame. So I thought to myself, well, if this little old lady can heal herself from the most aggressive kind of breast cancer, then I certainly can. Amen. Thinking that myself was relatively healthy. So that's when I started to research, and that's when I came across cannabis oil. And I came across the beautiful powers of cannabis. And yes, people do assume that people only use cannabis and marijuana just to literally get high, or, you know, just smoke and whatever. And you know, so be if, if these people just want to get high, then let them let them get high. But from now, what I've learned is it's the high that is healing. So I would embrace anyone whether they're cancer or not cancer patients to embrace the high because it's a super super powerful herb and it's actually the second most powerful plant on the planet um well i think there is um some other things about that <clears throat> that probably need to go we need to go a little further in because what i see our 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 government doing is stopping people from these things to where they can heal themselves. I mean, it isn't yeah. just... And, and can I just interrupt you there, yeah, Tim? And I, I'm very sorry for interrupting you. But the, the reason why the, the government stop you is because everybody now, if anyone's got cancer, anybody, you need to look up. Instead of wasting your time um, researching your diagnosis, because that's what I did, and I felt like I wasted a whole week researching triple negative breast cancer which is what i had because every single documentary every single article every single news piece anything to do with the cancer that i had was highly negative so reading all of that 
I just thought, well, what's the point going on? Because all these people are telling me that I've only got weeks, months, whatever to live. You know, even nothing was positive. So then I stumbled across the 1939 Cancer Act. So I would urge anybody listening to this, if you've got cancer, look up the 1939 Cancer Act. So basically, this is an act brought in, obviously, by government that was purposely brought in because it means that if you have cancer and if you are a doctor, no doctor is allowed to promote any form of natural healing. If they form any, if, if they try to promote or produce or steer people towards natural healing, they will lose their license and they will get struck up. So this is why no doctors are allowed to um, promote um, natural healing and plant medicine because they can't. They're forbidden to. Well, this um, is <clears throat> this leads to something that Kate has talked about, where the Rockefellers have come in. And they've eliminated the naturopathic kind of – I mean, they've almost eliminated it for good of any kind of naturopaths, uh, doctors who treat people the way they used to treat them. And now they're going more the medicinal uh, route. They're going into surgeries and all these other kinds of things that, that were never heard of. And I'm not saying – and I agree – that, you know, a hospital is probably good for, you know, if you're having a heart attack, if you've had a, a car wreck or something like this, oh, you got a bone that needs to be set in place, okay, fine, go for that. But when it comes to actually making people well with situations like what you had, that's really probably the last place you want to end up going. Exactly. And if it's, if I, I call them superficial, they're not superficial to the person that's dealing with them, but superficial would be somebody that has a broken bone. So of course, if you have a broken bone or if your child has fallen down, you know, a flight of stairs and he's broke his, he's broke his arm or he's broken. Arm, of course, you need to take your child to the hospital. And I'm not, I'm not disputing the fact that hospitals do repair people as in repair bones. So, but if you have a deliberating illness, all they will treat it on is more with is more educate is more medication. Every single like I've mentioned, every single medication has a cancer side effect. And what they're trying to do to people is yes, we will look after whatever illness you go in and we will give you another drug and that other drug will obviously go on to cause further side effects exactly the same with cancer and this did start with the Rockefellers and I think it was the Rockefeller family that did put in the 1939 cancer acts in place to prevent people from using cannabis because it got to the stage where you know our grandmothers and our great-grandmothers probably healed each other with herbs and with cannabis nobody had cancer back then as much as they, they do now so when this cancer act came into place, everybody was scared. Everybody was scared to heal yourself with herbs or heal your next door neighbor with herbs, which is what used to happen in the olden days. In the olden days, nobody used to go to the doctors or the hospitals. You used to see the little herbal doctor in the village or you'd know your next door neighbor would know somebody that would just mock up a herb or a, a tea, for instance, and that tea would heal you. But because of this 1939 Act, Cancer Act was huge and it, started, it developed purely because of cancer. And I'll tell you why it developed only with cancer is because cancer is the most expensive drug 
not so much drug, but chemotherapy is the most expensive drug. So whenever a doctor prescribes a medicine, whenever they give you a prescription, whenever they um, promote surgery, all of those um, parts will earn the doctor's commission. So if a surgeon performs surgery, such as uh, a lumpectomy or a mastectomy, they will earn commission on that surgery. When a doctor or an oncologist, for instance, when they um, give you or put you forward for a course of chemotherapy or radiotherapy, they will earn commission. Anything a doctor pr promotes as a medicine will earn them commission. And that's how they make their money. Um, it's sickening, I know. So in terms of your last question where, yes, you know, pharmaceutical and the Rockefellers have overcome natural healing. It's because the doctors are enticed by earning commission, basically. And also the doctors are also enticed by going third run up the ladder. So you could start off with a regular, be, be a regular oncologist. You could be the head of your oncologist if you prescribe X amounts of chemotherapy for your patients. Well, yeah, and, I, we, and let me let me tie that into something right now. Maybe there are people out there listening who say, "Well, I don't have cancer, <clears throat> but I'm kind of fascinated by the story." Let's let's go to something that we're seeing right now. Uh, we've seen uh, Nurse Erin out of New York. I don't know if you saw Nurse Erin out of New York who came out and said what they were doing up there and they were killing the patients. We've listened to uh, Nurse Kate here on Sons of Liberty, and she's talked about what's going on there in the UK hospitals and things of that nature. And the whole thing is, is these people, for the most part, they don't ask any questions of, well, how do we know they actually have what we're told they have? They just have some symptoms. I mean, this could be the sniffles. This could be allergies. This could be anything. Oh, no, it's COVID. We have to write that down. And so what we're going to do is we're going to put them on ventilators, which our president... Yeah. I, I don't know what I don't know what constitutional authority he had to do that, or to send money up there, or to send the army up there to to commandeer uh, private businesses and turn them into hospitals that were never used. Uh, but they did that, and then they have people dying as a result of I, I would say malpractice. They're putting them on a ventilator to kill them. So you're what you're bringing here. I see it it, it, it spawning over into the things that virtually everybody's being told. This is the way we deal with it. Nobody's being held accountable for it. We see it with the vaccinations. Um, we're, we're told of vaccine, vaccines coming for this, that, and the other. And yet, and the vaccines are all kinds of poisons that nobody knowingly would drink it. And, and, and it's cause. And also, I would say the second biggest carcinogen, carcinogen is obviously something that causes cancer. The first carcinogen, the first biggest carcinogen is stress. And stress, massive stress causes cancer. One of the, the second carcinogen, I would say, is vaccines. Now, people don't realize, and, and you know, when it, because I also as well, so just to fast forward a bit, so I healed myself with cancer, I wrote a book, and then now I have a support group. So I get contacted on a daily basis of people that have cancer. One of the first things I ask them is, did you have vaccines? Or when was your last vaccine? Because vaccinations cause cancer they're all carcinogens and that the, what, what vaccines do is they will store so even if you had a vaccine when you was 10 years old that vaccine was storing your cells and it was storing your stem cells and then when your body becomes too toxic where it has a lot of toxicity and you get toxicity from the chemtrails from the pesticides in your food from stress from literally everything from the toiletries from 
anything you can think of is a carcinogen in this day of life. This is why everybody needs to live completely naturally. And when those carcinogens are inside your body and when you have an overload of toxicity coupled by stress, because as I said, stress is the biggest carcinogen, then the, the, the cancer cells start re, re, you know, uh, multiplying. And then before you know it, you suddenly will have a tumor. And when, well, like I would say to everybody is that cancer does not want to kill you. Cancer is a warning sign for your body to take care of what you're allowing into your body, which is usually artificial rubbish that you're bringing in from food, from the pollution, from water, because, you know, your government does put fluoride and uh, heavy metals into your water. People are drinking these and they're, and they're, um, they're just making your whole body toxic, to, full of toxicity. And when you have a, an overload of toxicity into your body, you will form cancer. And, well, and everybody will form cancer. You will only not form cancer. Every, every one of us has got cancer inside of our body. This is why I never say you can cure because there's no such thing as curing cancer because we all have cancer in our body. You can heal from cancer, but you can't cure. Now, the thing is that every single one of us has cancer in our body, but it either remains dormant mm. or it re either remains malignant, uh, sorry, benign. Now, the thing is, when you have then too much toxicity in your body, it's, it, it, it's like it flips the switch. It flips the switch from benign to malignant. I see. So this is why... This is why people need to take care of the body to prevent a benign tumor or a benign cancer cell to be performed into or developed into a malignant. So this is kind of like what, what Dr. Kaufman was telling us. He was basically saying a virus is nothing more than an exosome, which all people yeah. have. And they come out, the cells produce them in order to clean up toxicity in the body for when we breathe in bad things, eat bad things, drink bad things, you know, brush our teeth with bad things or whatever the case may be. And it's led in, in our body. We assume that our body is sick, which it is, but that sick, what we determine as sickness is really our body cleaning that sickness up. Is that, am I understanding that right? Same thing that you've got going yeah. on here. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why your body is an amazing mechanism and people doubt their bodies. When the, the, you see, when people get cancer, they automatically go into shock. Because they think to themselves, how can my body do this? Well, no, your body is actually trying to clear up. So exactly 100% what you mentioned about uh, coronavirus or any kind of virus, your body cannot just willingly produce a virus. You can't catch a virus. A virus has to be injected into you. Or, you know, there's various different reasons why you have a virus. But it's definitely not from touching, you know, touching a piece or tugging people or, shaking hands or touching a piece of fruit that somebody else has for that's not how you catch a virus at all so if people understand how the body works then they will be able to understand how they can prevent any kind of illness not alone just viruses but also cancer and cancer is the worst illness at the moment because it at the you know before it was one in two people that would contract cancer but now i even think it's one on one literally the way that things are going everyone at some point in their life has the potential to develop cancer and it's shocking and it's scary to think that no but it really the, is the, it is really scary, but the thing is people just assume that, yes, you get cancer, then you have treatment and you die. No, it doesn't have to be like that. That's what we've been programmed yes. into our heads for a very early age. 
So you're programmed to believe you get cancer, you have treatment, and then it's, it's, it's luck. You either win or you either die. Yeah. No, it does nothing to do with luck at all let me well yeah and i don't believe in luck anyway i believe that god is is sovereign i believe in his providence he like what you said he gives warnings okay you're doing you're doing this here i've put i've made that if i've formed that into your body so that it warns you about these things um and the bible tells us that he's our healer so when you talk about you heal yourself you're doing that because of the very things that i read out of genesis god is the one who's provided those things in order to heal you so in essence he's the he he's the real healer um but you you wised up and said, okay, I need to do these things. I'm willing to learn that, and that's a small part of, of, of our you know of our learning things. Now, when we we went through a lot of this, you made mention of cannabis, and I'm I'm kind of curious as to, and you made mention of the little old lady with the herbs and things of that nature. And Kate has obviously spoken about uh, fresh fruits and vegetables that are organic, uh, no pesticides, uh, get rid of the water that has fluoride. If you got to do what we did and get one of those gravity fed. Um, you know, water filtration, and we're on well water. So we have very little of the other stuff, but but it does take out heavy metals. It does take out some other things like that. Can you give people some examples? Because we got maybe 10 minutes or so here. And then what I want to do is I want <clears throat> to real quickly just show people, this is your book, um, My Way, Following the Cancer Brick Road from Diagnosis to All Clear Naturally in Five Months. You can pick that up at Amazon. We'll have the link in the description. And then you've got another book called Cancer Fighting Supplements, a quick guide on powerful immune boosters. And then you've got another one that deals with uh, life after birth trauma. Now, my wife yeah. uh, definitely knows about that uh, since we have two kids. But we, we learned even in that, and I'll, I'll let you speak to it. We learned even in that, you know, we're, we're taught you got to go to the hospital to have your baby. But when yes. for centuries, millennia, women didn't do that. They had, oh, but all the women died. And this, no, they didn't. Um, and, and, and you know what I found out? And my wife found out? We found out that when we had our children at home with just a midwife, one, it was cheaper, a whole lot cheaper. Two, it was better for mom and baby because you didn't have somebody coming in every two or three hours poking you, taking your yeah. temperature. They got to rest. They were back on their feet. My wife was back on her feet much faster. Uh, it, it was just a better, plus the family got to enjoy it. Our kids, as soon as the child was, well, our last five, as soon as the child was born, we would get to wake the kids up because most of them were in the middle of the night, like two in the morning. We'd wake them up. We'd go read Psalm 127, 128. We'd, we'd just enjoy that. Um, and the midwives uh, that we had were, were just great and good to my wife. And so even in that, it's like they want to tell us, no, you've got to do it this way rather than some natural way. And then oftentimes they're putting people through C-sections, uh, inducing labor and all these kinds of things, too. So what I want you to do is talk a little bit about what you put in your book. You didn't just tell all the bad stuff. You've got a very optimistic outlook like we do here. And that is that you said, I'm going to do I'm going to I'm going to fight this. I'm going to do it a right way. I'm going to find out how to do it. What led you down this uh, this brick road that you call uh, to find out a cure for your cancer okay so so yeah when i when i realized to myself that yeah there's no way i'm doing chemotherapy i want to heal myself naturally so then i just immersed myself and the only time i immersed myself was because when you first get diagnosed with cancer you have to do about 50 million different scans 50 million different tests for you for the whole two weeks from you so you will get diagnosed and then for the whole two weeks every single day for two weeks you will have a different appointment 
and it's a different scan, it's a different test, it's meeting a different doctor, meeting an oncologist, it's continuous. And this is what everybody goes through when they're first diagnosed. So of course, when you're in hospitals, you're waiting around in waiting rooms. So at first, when I was in those waiting rooms, because you know, you're bored and you're nervous and you're edgy, you start looking on your phone. Now at first, the first thing I started to research was my actual type of cancer, which was triple negative. Everything I researched was just so, so like the, like the title, triple negative. Everything was so negative. And every single um, article I came across was pretty much about women just passing away really, really quickly. And, and, and I thought to myself, well, I don't want to be reading this. I want to be reading about people that have healed themselves. So then I flipped it and I found the one lady that healed herself and then I then researched the hell out of, first of all, I didn't even delve into cannabis at first. It was all about nutritional healing from juicing, from food, from supplements. And then it was only somebody had mentioned to me, hang on a minute, have you looked into cannabis healing? Now, I knew about cannabis anyway. I mean, I used to smoke a joint when in my younger days, you know, every now and then. But I never, ever assumed it to be as powerful it was. And when somebody says to me, hey, have you looked into cannabis? And I was thinking, oh, what's cannabis going to do? You know, how is that going to heal me? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm looking at my fruits. I'm looking at my vegetables kind of thing. So a couple of people just says to me, no, please look into cannabis. So I did. I looked into everything about cannabis. I looked into the plant, the herb, how it grows. And then I also developed, not developed, I also um, delved into the possibility that it can actually cause a process called apoptosis now apoptosis is basically the system where or the process should i say is where your cancer cells naturally start committing suicide so basically that means that eventually your cancer cells will start killing themselves to allow a way for new fresher healthy cells to to come on board again i didn't believe it i was and in, in back of my mind i was thinking well hang on a minute if cannabis is so, so amazing at healing and, and curing cancer, why are nobody, you know, why, why aren't people saying about it? Why aren't people talking about it? Why is it illegal? Why, why, why are doctors still trying to push chemotherapy when we've got cannabis all then? So I already knew from my pharmacist days that the, the, you know, the pharmaceutical and the medical industry couldn't be trusted because it was all about money. Uh, but then I couldn't understand why cannabis was illegal because I, then I was thinking, well, that okay, so even the pharmaceutical industry could patent it and make money off it. Obviously, you can't patent nature. So this is why they've not been able to do that. And they have done it since. And, you know, they, there are synthet lots of synthetic brands of cannabis around there. And they, they have patented it, but it's not pure cannabis oil. It's mixed with a load of toxicity which again that toxicity causes cancer so it's kind of like again a catch-22 so you're going to be prescribed cannabis from your doctor but because of the cannabis has been laced with toxicity what the cannabis will do is heal you to a degree but then the toxicity inside that cannabis will also give you cancer so it was really, really bizarre. So then I thought to myself, well, I don't want cannabis oil from any pharmaceutically manufactured company. And at the time when I did have, uh, when I was diagnosed, the only countries that were producing cannabis oil was America, because America a little bit forward forward thinking and there's a lot of states where cannabis is legal and you can get a prescription because you can get a medical marijuana card. 
and I had many doctors with um, I had many appointments sorry with medical marijuana clinics as well but they couldn't provide me what I needed because I, I researched so much I knew that for my type of cancer I needed a very very high THC and none of the dispensaries all over the world was able to prescribe me with the, the levels of THC I needed. And then again, you kind of think to yourself, well, hang on a minute. Say, for instance, in Washington, you know, if, it, if, if cannabis is legal there, why are you not able to give me what I need? It's because it's kind of like they're drip feeding. They're drip feeding you into belief, yes, we will give you cannabis because we know it can heal you. But we are not going to give you enough to heal you. Right. So it's that push and pull. It's that push and pull. So we will give you this drug, which is a synthetic cannabis drug. And it's only going to have a little bit of THC because we don't agree with too much THC. Um, and it's, I think now it's something like 15%. Most of the dispensary, and I know this because I get contacted on a day, daily basis from people all over the world, mainly from America. Um, that can't get hold of the right cannabis oil because the dispensaries won't produce it and it won't produce it because the pharmaceutical industry won't allow it. Even though they know that high THC will heal cancer, they still won't produce it. And it's kind of going back to that, yes, okay, they kind of understand that cannabis heals, is, but we're not going to allow, and we're not going to allow you to have it because we want you in control in our little oncology system. So it's, it's, it's really bad, to be honest with you. It's, yeah. it's, it's really, really bad. No, I, I, I agree that it is, and there's a lot of uh, information that's being kept from the pub public that could save a lot of lives if they would let it loose instead of being worried about who's going to abuse it and this, that, and the other. Uh, Dee, we're coming up on the end of the show here. Do you got a website or anything that people uh, should be taking a look at, or do you just uh, – uh, promote uh, the issue of your book because we've got about 30 seconds if you want to tell people about that. Okay, yes. Yeah, so I do have a website. It's dmanny.com. So it's www.dmanny.com. -D -E 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 I'm all over social media and you only need to Google my name and you will see me pop up from another program or not. So I'm, I'm well out there. You can find me. Okay. All right. Well, we appreciate you being on the show again. Her book is My Way, Following the Cancer Brick Road from Diagnosis to All Clear Naturally in five months, folks. No chemotherapy, no surgeries, none of these things. The very things that we talked about uh, that God gave us in Genesis chapter 1. Uh, that's what she was using. She's not using anything uh, abusive or anything like that. She's doing these things to heal her body, and God says that he's our healer. He's provided all those things, and he's done so through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, 23 hours, we'll be back with you. Till then, see ya. <laughs>